Scripture is very clear that we need to give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest at any time we let them slip. It's very clear also it's not just take heed what you hear, but take heed how you hear. And he that hath an ear, and I'm not talking about these two things here uh, that our mama made us wash behind while we were growing up. Amen. But a spiritual ear, and that means the, that means a, a heart that is humbled and willing to be obedient, to give heed to the Word of God, means to take it to heart and apply it to our life. And the Holy Spirit simply can't plant the seed unless it's in a good ground heart. But when he finds a good ground heart, he plants it deep within. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 8 and verse 32 for just a few moments. Uh, we have had a theme throughout the entire Christmas season, which has been, uh, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And we understood that it wasn't just this sentimental story of the baby. The baby was the first step to the man who hung on the cross. The son was given before the foundation of the world, according to the Scripture, in the heart of God. The Bible said, Great is the mystery of godliness, because God was manifest in the flesh. And when Jesus was born uh, in Bethlehem, God was manifest in the flesh. But the Bible said in the book of Revelation, He was the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world in the mind of God, the heart of God, the plan of God. Amen. Uh, Jesus was already uh, in that plan down through all of those years until that, that wonderful evening in Bethlehem. Amen. God had Jesus in mind, in place, ready to come to do what he did so mankind had the opportunity to be saved. Uh, when God gave man a f sovereign will, and he did, he knew that man could make the wrong choice and if he did he would need a savior he would need to be redeemed and that's why he sent jesus to become our kinsman redeemer so we we that was the theme of all that but here's here's the deal everybody say john three sixteen. for god so loved the world that he what that he gave not just to lay in a manger, but to go to the cross. He gave His Son to be a sacrifice lamb for us. It was costly for the Father to hear His Son cry, Elo, Elo, Lama, Sabachthani, from the cross, which being interpreted is, My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? It caused Jesus to stay on the cross. The Bible said He endured the cross and we, in our thinking of the physical torment of a death that he died, think of the pain. But that is not what he had in mind more than anything. And he, he experienced the worst pain that is imaginable. But the Bible said he endured the cross despising the shame. Because the Holy One was going to die a death as if he was the greatest of sinners abandoned by God. And that's why he cried in Pilate's Hall, perfect confidence and consolation. In Pilate's Hall, everybody forsook him, but it didn't shake him at all. He said, my father is always with me. But on the cross, he that knew no sin 
became sin, not a sinner. He never sinned. But on the cross, He was treated as a sinner. He took your sins. He took my sins upon Himself. And when He did that, there was no consolation of the Father's presence with Him. Though He was very God and very man, He didn't die with any of that divinity to keep Him from all of the feelings of someone lost and abandoned of God. And that's why the Bible said when we saw Him on the cross, Isaiah 53 is all about the cross. It's called the gospel in the Old Testament. When we saw Him, there was nothing that we should desire Him. It was like seeing someone after a car wreck that was so mangled that it just made you sick at your stomach. Uh, If you go step by step in what happened to him before he ever got impaled on the cross. The Bible said prophetic of what happened to him that his visage, that meant what you see in his humanity, was marred more than any man's. No one was as beaten and bloodied as he was. Prophetically, Psalm 22, Jesus cried cried upon the cross. Many of those sayings, my tongue cleaves to the, the roof of my mouth. He cried, I thirst. My bones stare out of me. When they took the cat with the pieces of pottery uh, or pieces of metal on the end, tied in the end of the nine braided pieces of leather, it wrapped around the body. When they yanked it back, it took chunks of skin away from his rib cage, And you could see the bones of his ribs in his body. He took that before they ever even nailed him to the cross in the beating. The Bible said his... his and when we saw him, we thought, God must have judged him more than anyone for anyone to be treated this way. When we saw him, there's nothing that we should desire him. But we did esteem him, smitten, stricken of God, and afflicted. But surely he bore our griefs. He carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, but God hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, honey, I'm going to tell you something today. If you're waiting on a liver shiver, goose pimple, something to convince you that God loves you, You're looking for love in all the wrong places. If you're waiting for something else to happen to convince you just how much God loves you other than the cross, you're looking for His love in all the wrong places. Amen? This is not something you just accept by blind faith. This is something you you see in the Word of God and you accept because the Word of God declares it. And there's nothing that builds faith more than knowing that you are loved this much by God. Because every time you go through a trial, every time there's a delay in an answer to prayer, every time heaven feels like it's brass, the enemy is going to tell you that if God loved you, he wouldn't have allowed this to happen. By the way, God is not making everything happen that happens in this world. He is sovereign. But this is a fallen world. The world as it is today is not in the will of God. There's a king coming and a kingdom coming. And and when he comes, it's going to be put right. 
Even in the old covenant, they questioned his love and his faithfulness and his watch care. He said, my people talked often to one another, saying, if God loves us, why this? If God loves us, why that? If God loves us, why is the, why is the, the righteous being persecuted and the wicked prospering? Amen? They asked a legitimate question. And God said, you're going to find out when I come to take up my jewels. That's why he speaks of his people. Something very precious to him. He said, when I come to take up my jewels, you're going you're gonna to know. And you're going to see. And when I come to judge the wicked. Ever, anybody heard the term Maranatha? Well, it's coupled with another term. It's in the context of God's judgment when Christ comes to be the judge of the earth. It's in the context of Maranatha anathema, which means the strongest consternation of God, the actual curse of God because of, of, of sin and rebellion. It's coupled together because people think a judgment is never coming. The Bible said because God doesn't judge evil immediately, man's heart is fully set in him to do evil. But the writer goes on to say, but if a man do evil a hundred times and prosper, and, amen, yet I know it shall be well with them that serve the Lord, but it shall not be well with the wicked. And God said, when I come to take up my jewels, He's not just coming to take us home. He's coming also to judge the earth. And the Bible said that the whole world will mourn because of Him when He comes. They won't be glad to see Him. People that don't know Him are not going to be glad to see Him because He's not riding on a donkey to be crucified. He's coming as King of Kings. He's coming as Lord of Lords. And John saw the Christ that is coming on the Isle of Patmos. He said, I heard a voice behind me. And it sounded like Niagara Falls. I'm going to put it in my words. It sounded like a, a mighty rushing waters. And I turned to see this powerful voice that was speaking. And said his hair was as wool. And you know what God said? I've committed all judgment to the Son. Amen. He's the one I sent. He's the one that died for them. He's the one that gave them the opportunity to be saved. And therefore, it's only right that He become the judge of those that have rejected Him. He came first to save them. But when they see Him, His hair was as wool. His eyes were as a burning fire. And it's not x-ray vision like Superman. Yes, he can see into your heart. He knows the thoughts of men. Amen. But this word meant fiery indignation. It's called the wrath of God. Sounds like a contradiction, doesn't it? The sweet Jesus that allowed himself to be put on the cross and punished for our sins. And this judge of the earth that is coming. And yet the Bible said, I saw the great men... I saw the small men, the great men, the rich men, the poor men cry into the rocks and the mountains when the tribulation comes and God's judgments begin to fall. Fall on us and hide us from the face of Him that sits upon the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. And from the wrath of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Listen, today is the day of salvation. 
This is the accepted time. We're in the last day generation, and I believe it's getting its last call to salvation. Amen. The Bible said if they were punished under Moses' law, and death was the punishment, physical death, that violated it, of how much sorer punishment. Suppose ye that they should be worthy, who have trodden underfoot the blood of the everlasting covenant, to walk on the... Just wipe their feet on the blood of Jesus to spurn the message and say, we will not have this man rule over us. Can you say man? And today we're in that generation. You've got to be cautioned today of what kind of ministry that you follow in this generation. There's no back door to heaven. There's only one way to God. And Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man, no man comes to the Father except by me. Can you say, man, it's my blood that was shed. There's not a multiple ways to God. New York bestseller on the New York best-selling book list some years ago was was something about the light people dying and seeing a light and here's the problem with that if it's unbiblical they saw something that was a lie one the lady wrote one of the books that sold millions of copies said i saw the light i went to the light and i saw jesus and jesus told me that every road leads to God, no matter what the religion. Pick any one you want, they all lead to God. Well, not the Jesus of the Bible. Not the Christ of the Bible. Well, she was there, she saw Him. Let me tell you something about light and darkness. The Bible said, no marvel if Satan be transformed as an angel of light. And his ministers as ministers of righteousness. If you're looking for this, this entity, this demonic angel that has become demonized because of his rebellion to be some ugly. And in his spirit he is. But in his appearance he is not. You know what he was before the fall? He was an archangel. He was that anointed cherub that walked in the coals of the altar that are in the very presence of God Himself. He led the worship in heaven. He was the worship leader and got jealous of the God that He was leading praise to and wanted to be Him and to be like Him and to be above Him. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit in the congregation of the north. And by reason of his beauty, he was lifted up. And I think it's interesting that Lucifer is, nobody names their child Lucifer. And it wasn't a bad <laughs> And thank the good Lord, right? Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Name their pit bull Lucifer, but not, amen. Because if it's an association with this fallen angel. But before he fell and got into rebellion in heaven, he was a high-ranking angel. And the Bible said pipes were, were created in him. When he was created, Bible scholars believe those pipes are literally, he didn't just play an instrument. He was one. He, he had the ability to give forth all of that praise and worship not just vocally but also through instrumentation built into his angelic body 
And by reason of his beauty, his beauty, he was lifted up. And his persuasive power was so great that the dragon, when he fell with his tail, pulled a third of the stars of heaven, literally, these angels that followed him in rebellion fell with him. And these angels that fell with him became what we know as demons. Because the angels held not their first estate. That doesn't mean they just didn't stay in heaven. It means they lost their celestial body. Because an angel can't go in you. He can't, he can't go in you. It takes a spirit without any kind of body. Angels have a body. It's celestial. It can be manifest and look just like anybody else. And that's why the Bible said, Be careful when you entertain strangers. Some people have entertained an angel unaware. Didn't even realize this was an angel. Amen? Have you ever heard of car wreck occurring? And some young man or some woman, whatever, come up and grab somebody and pull them out. And then they look for them and they're gone. They ask, did anybody see them? They wanted to thank them. They said, there, there, nobody, nobody's over there. Well, how would I get out? Because I saw this person. Even Billy Graham, he's not Pentecostal by any stretching of the imagination, but Billy Graham uh, is quick to say, uh, out of all the missionaries that I have talked to, uh, angels are real, they exist. One man was in an area where they'd killed the two previous missionaries. And, and, and he stayed there and nobody touched him. Nobody hurt him or his family. He kept praying, believing God, and God took care of him. But he was inquisitive after 10 years and nobody touched him or his family and, and seeing the gospel go forth in that area. He asked the chief of a tribe that had hated the first two missionaries, didn't want the gospel in their area, saw it as a threat. And they asked the guy who was kind of the shaman, he was kind of this, this guy that's a spiritual, that's, that's the one who didn't want the light coming in. Why didn't he come? He said, we tried. He said, one night we had 12 men commit with us to kill you and your family. This guy had come to Christ because of what he saw and what he heard in the gospel. He said, we came. And said, we came almost to the porch of your home. But standing on the porch of your home, there was a man in white apparel... He was 10 or 12 feet tall. He had in his right hand a weapon. He had a sword in his right hand. Now you can imagine somebody 12 foot tall with a sword in his hand. And said when we went that way he turned toward us. And when we went around the other way he turned toward us. And said we were afraid to come any further and I thought Lord thank you I'm so glad the angel you gave to me to watch over me is not a fat baby with wings can you say man come on it's not a Valentine's Day come on I live in a world where the devil would love to take me out he'd love to take you out too but the Bible said he would give his angels 
charge over you. And oh, it would get personal. It's personal and they will bear thee up in their hands. Lest thou dash thy foot upon a stone. Can you say man? I'm telling you God is committed to, to, to watching over you. God is committed to helping you. God is committed. He's committed his angels from heaven. Bible said all they are is emissaries from God to, to operate in behalf of those who are sanctified. God has been interacting with this old fallen world. The devil is not down here running free to do whatever he wants to do. There are people he can harm and people he cannot. He walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Indicating there are people that are off limits. Oh, give God a hand clap. There's some people down here that are off limits. Come on. There's some people that are off. If you don't give place to him as a Christian, he has absolutely no authority to take anything from anybody that belongs to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lamb. I'm so grateful to know I'm not down here on my own. And I'm not down here all alone. And God didn't give me or you the spirit of fear. But power, love, and a sound mind. Hallelujah. Praise God. All right, are you at Romans 8 and verse 32? On that theme of a son is given and an understanding of what that really means to you and to me. And the kind of love that God exhibited when He sent His only begotten Son to die in our place. And the kind of love that was in the heart of His Son that caused Him to stay on the cross with the power to call the armies of heaven to take Him down. That kind of love should never be questioned because of our feelings. This is where faith must supersede feelings. And I'm not talking about faith just as some mystical force within you. But faith based on a clear understanding of how much God loves you. And how much God loves me right now. And the basis for faith is built on a logic of the cross. And Paul said, he that spared not... Did, 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 is this true? He that did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not? Everybody say the logic of the cross. Come on, you don't have to check your brain at the door to get this. This is so clear and concise. The Bible said that He loved us enough. He loved this fallen world and you and I enough to give His Son to be a sacrifice. He loved us that much. And Paul said, did He love you that much? Did He do that? Did He do it? Is it done? Does He need to do something else to convince us of His love? Do we need a liver shiver on Sunday morning? Do, do we need some, some sign from heaven? When you're going through something, has God abandoned you? No. 
No. He said, think it not strange. See, don't let the devil talk you out of the faith that he wants to build in you. That will take you through. Hallelujah. Think it not strange, the fiery trial. Everybody say the fiery trial. Come on, we're not talking about the running your stockings on Sunday morning, not that you wear them. Amen. Anyway. Come on, we're not talking about, you know, on the way to church being tried because you got little children. You know, Lord, I love you. Lord, I thank you. And they're going crazy in the back seat. Lord, I love you. I praise you. I just want to love on you this morning. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for this great day. Amen. It's not those, those little things that bother us, but this big trial that threatens us. Think it not strange, the fiery trial that has come to try you as some strange that, oh, I'm a child of God, nothing touches me. I'm not talking about the devil overwhelming you. Don't attribute, you know, he'll take credit for everything you give him credit for. Don't blame him for everything. I mean, not that he shouldn't be blamed, but he's not walking around accessing everybody. My dad got so afraid of the devil, he lost his trust and faith in God, lived in fear. We're driving down the road, and dad said, I couldn't find my house shoes this morning. I hate that old devil. But keeping me frustrated like that, I looked for two hours for my house shoes, and that old devil hid them from me. I thought that old devil's got better things to do than hide your house shoes. I wish that's all I had to worry about him doing. I'd go to Walmart, get me some cheap house shoes and forget about it. Can you say amen? He can have them. It's the big stuff that bothers me. He don't bother with my house shoes. That won't stop me praising God. Besides, he don't, he don't, he don't, he, that's not in his realm. He wants to get to your faith because he knows as long as it is intact, it is a shield. And he knows his fiery darts that he's going to fire are not going to be effective against you. He knows those fiery darts are going to be quenched. It's not that he's not going to try. He's going to fail. And he's going to fail again. And he's going to fail again. And he's going to fail again because he that's in you, he that's in you, and he is in you. Make no mistake about it. He that's in you is greater. He that's in you is greater. He that's in you is greater than he that is in this world. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I expect the devil to fight. As long as I'm alive and in this world, the devil's going to fight me. But I expect him to lose again and again and again. Because why? Because Jesus is in control. He is Lord of all. But I go through fiery trials. Think it not strange the fiery trial that has come to try you as some strange thing has happened unto you. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tried above that that you are able to bear by the way when he says able to bear he's not looking at your weak humanity he's looking at his spirit within you I'm easily overwhelmed in my emotional man 
It don't take much to get me down. But it don't take much to get me back up either. When we're dealing with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Christian victory is not never getting knocked down. It's always getting up. If you get up, the fight is not over. Have you ever seen a man down in a boxing ring? One, two, three, four, five. And it looked like he can't move. Six, seven, eight, nine. And he jumps up. And the guy looks at him and he's... Are you okay? Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And you think, he ain't okay. He ain't no condition to continue to fight. He should have stayed down there. That guy's going to come at him now. And all of a sudden, the bell rings. Ding! And they take him over the stool. (laughs) Pour some water over his head. Fan him with a towel. (laughs) He comes back in and knocks the guy out. Because he got back up. Christian victory is never, not, never getting knocked down. No one lives there. That's not what a champion is. It's the guy that gets back up. Hallelujah. How many have ever, oh come on church, it's the guy that gets back up. Praise God. You don't give up because you get knocked down, you get back up. Hallelujah. If you get back up, the fight's not over. And we've got a God that says, Amen, I'm going to help you up. If you get knocked down, I'm going to pick you up. I know where to put my arms. Underneath are the everlasting arms. I'm going to support you. And when you're weak and feel like you can't take another step, you are a candidate. And you qualify at that point for my supernatural. Hallelujah. Paul said there's an emissary from Satan sent to Buffet me. It won't let up on me. And did he get knocked down? Did Paul ever get knocked down? Let's go to 1 Corinthians. You know what he said? I would not have you to be ignorant. Brethren. I don't want you to misunderstand the trials and victory and how it all works. I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, of the trouble that we experienced in Asia. How that we were pressed beyond measure, beyond human endurance. That we might learn. Oh, oh, how far was that beyond human endurance? He said until we got in a place where we despaired of life itself. Abraham got knocked down. Moses got knocked down, but he got back up. Amen? God lifted him back up. I would not have... It's amazing. A lot of ministers are not forthright. But if you talk to them behind the scenes, out from in front of the camera, because you think that they walk in a consistent victory, nothing ever touches them. They've developed their faith to such a hyper-faith level that they never go through a trial, and, and I wouldn't give you 10 cents to listen to it. Because if faith can't be tested, it can't be trusted. Because it will fail you when the trial comes. And the trial is coming. Many are the afflictions of who? The wicked out there. No, many are the afflictions of the righteous. But 
God delivereth him out of them all. Everybody say all. Oh, hallelujah. I'm so, I love the way God talks, don't you? He don't mince words. He don't leave an opening for doubt. He don't leave a place for fear. Hallelujah. He talks plain and clear, and what He says is uplifting. Glory to God. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Don't think it's strange. It's not unique. Join the club of the persecuted. Paul said, I wouldn't have you to be ignorant of the trouble that we experienced in Asia. Biggest church in the world, i got to hurry. It's hard for me to hurry. Biggest Pentecostal church in the world is in Seoul, Korea. Largest gathering in human history of people in one place for one purpose was in Seoul, Korea. South Korea. Mighty move of God there. Billy Graham talked to more people than anybody at one time when he preached in South Korea because of the mighty revival. The People's Church has 50,000 people attend every Sunday. They have five services of 10,000 people. In the dead of winter, there are 10,000 people standing outside waiting for 10,000 to come out so they can get in. In the cold, bitter cold, In South Korea. Why? Because people are getting saved. People are getting healed. A cancer surgeon. That. That this is his whole area and field of expertise. Got cancer. And he was treated for it. By the best of his peers and colleagues. And he was given a death sentence. They could do no more. But he came to that church where all of those people are trusting, believing God, hearing a message of faith. And he was gloriously healed. A general in the armed forces got a disease, heart disease, came and was healed. And many of the soldiers in, in his influence came and got saved because of the power and presence of God. Mighty revival in South Korea. No wonder the devil would like to nuke them till they radiate. We're threatening them on every side because the gospel has went forth and there's a mighty sweeping revival in South Korea. Mighty revival in China where the church is driven underground by persecution and yet the power of God is so strong there. They say that 20,000 people a day are coming to Christ in atheistic Marxist China. There's a church that's allowed, but it's governed by the government. And you can't even preach on the coming of Jesus because they see it a threat to their power. They ought to. It is a threat to their power. Can you say, man, they're right. At least they're acknowledging he's coming. But you're not allowed to preach it. You could be put in jail if you preach the soon coming of Jesus in China because the leaders there see him as a threat to their power. If he's really coming, we can't rule anymore. Hallelujah. The devil's always been intimidated by the seed of the woman. Can you say, man, that that sealed his defeat? God planned his defeat from the day that man seemed defeated by him. God already had a plan in place. That's why Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world.
And if he loved us enough, this is the logic of the cross. If he loved us enough, and I'm going to ask you today, did he? Did he love you enough? If he loved you enough to give us his only begotten son to be a sacrifice in our behalf. If God loved you to that degree, if Christ loved you and me to that degree, how will he not? How could he not? Also with him, freely give us all things. What are those all things? It's not everything you want, but it's everything that he wills. And when you get in the Word and find out what He wills, you find out if you get everything He wills, you won't have no wants. He gives you peace that passes understanding. You're not going to try to run off to some desert island to try to get free of all the things that bug you. I saw a t-shirt the other day had a big green frog on it. It said, I wish I was a frog. Then I could eat what bugs me. Nobody wants to be bothered. But there is a peace offered you, provided for you, purposed for you. There's a joy that no material possession can give called joy in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And it's provided. How will He? He's actually given us in Christ and through Christ everything that pertains to life and godliness. Everything to live a victorious, contented, fulfilled, overcoming life and to please God while doing it is granted us in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Half given. Past tense. It's not something heaven holds. It's something we need to receive. Wow. And so it's a faith based on love. F. F. Bosworth is a Bible expositor that has been respected across the denominational spectrum down through the years. And here's what he said. I've seen faith rise mountain high when the truth of God's present love and compassion begins to dawn upon the minds and hearts of the people. It is not what God can do, but what we know He yearns to do and will do that inspires faith. And that's why Paul is using the logic of the cross to inspire faith. Pointing to that kind of love rather than pointing to His awesome power. You see, God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. That is not your and my faith issue. I don't have a problem with Genesis' account of creation. Because God's all-powerful. I have no problem believing that. That He has the power. Not only does God has the power, He knows how to use it in your behalf. He's omniscient. He's omniscient. He's all-powerful and He's all-knowing. The Bible said God knows how to deliver the righteous. You can't figure it out. Nobody else can figure it out. But God knows just exactly what to do in your life and mine. Oh, not only is He all-powerful and all-knowing, He's here with us. God with us. 
He's omnipresent. He's not sitting aloof in His high heaven. He's right here, right now with you and me. Amen. Two of you come together. You can't do it without me. It isn't the crowd that draws Him. It's His love for you and me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This God who is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent is our God. So it isn't a question of his power or presence. It's a question of not, does he have the power to do it? Does he know how to do it? Is he near enough to us to do it? But does he love us enough to release that power and knowledge in our behalf? That is the flashpoint of faith where doubt and fear try to enter in. Because this trial that we go through, the devil is going to shout If God loved you, He wouldn't let you. Here's a misconception and a misstatement. And I'm not saying it to be critical. I have missed it before I got it right. How many have ever heard this saying as if it was the Scripture? God won't put on you no more than you can bear. God won't put on you God won't put on you. God won't put on you. Let's, let's frame God as the bad guy. Come on, that's, that's really going to be faith building. There's no scripture that said God won't put on you more than you can bear. There is a scripture that said He will not allow you. That means He's in control, He's on your side, and He wants your good. Hallelujah. He won't allow you. Oh, listen to this. No temptation. Oh, God cannot be tempted with evil. God cannot be tempted with evil. The Bible said in the book of James, you got to get this right. You got to get, you got to get your mind right. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he's led away of his own lust and enticed. Amen. God is the deliverer. He's not the tempter. He's the deliverer. Deliver us from temptation. Deliver us from evil. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said God is the deliverer. Don't let the devil lie to you about God. Woo! The Catholic Church, the Pope right now, says we need to go back to the Holy Writ and change the, 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 the part of the Lord's Prayer that says, lead us not into temptation. God would never lead us into temptation. He is right about that part. God does not lead you into temptation. You don't have to ask Him not to. You find that in the Bible? It's not in there. Don't ever cast God as the tempter. Don't ever cast Him as the one that is putting something on you. God won't put on you. God isn't putting it on you. This fallen world is putting it on you. You live in a faulty body because of the fall. Amen? Little children are dying up in the hospital and there's not a healing evangelist in the world that can walk in that hospital and get them all out. If he could, that's where he needs to go. Because they deserve it more than anybody else. 
he needs to go to St. Luke's. And I see that little girl with the shaved head and those big, beautiful blue eyes and that mama that loves her enough to lay down her life and that daddy. I say, if you've got a gift of healing, go to that hospital. But you see, you can't undo the fall. Everything can't be put right until He comes. But when He comes, it's going to be put right. But it ain't right right now. But there is a promise given to those who are His. And we can obtain those promises. If God knew people would get sick, whether you're saved or not. So He said, if there's any sick among you to the church, let them call the elders. There's a promise. There's a provision for that. Can you say, man, I'm here today because it works. Can you say, man, it works. I had leukemia. I was dying at eight years of old. They had no bone marrow transplant for me. Benjamins, it's all about the Benjamins. We had no health insurance and they had nothing to offer me. There was no chemo given to me. No bone marrow, no hope given to my family. So they took me to church and took me to God. Evangelist is preaching. I I do remember his name. Freddie Gray was his name. He was from Texas. He didn't have a big vocabulary. He didn't have a great education. He didn't have a great knowledge of Scripture theologically. But he had faith in God and an anointing of the Holy Ghost. And I wouldn't trade all of the other stuff for that. Hallelujah. When you're in trouble, when you're in need, you need the anointing. You, you don't need somebody using $50 words when a $25 word would do. Can you say amen? And when they took me forward for prayer, the word of knowledge kicked in in that old boy. (laughs) Hallelujah. And my mama started to say, pray for my son. He has loo. She got out the loo of leukemia. (laughs) And and he said, I rebuke cancer in this boy's blood in the name of Jesus. (laughs) Glory to God. I had never felt the power of God in my life at eight years old. But the closer I got to where they were standing together praying for the sick, I I felt it. I felt it in my feet and ankles tingling. Oh, say, Brother Venable, you were just a kid scared, cutting off the circulation. Oh, honey, cut off circulation don't heal cancer. Can you say amen? (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. And besides, not only was it tingling, it was holy. I didn't know how to explain or understand or appreciate holy, but I knew something holy was happening. This wasn't just power. This was a person that was present in that room. Amen. It was through His name. His name. Not the name of the evangelist or the name of the church, but the name of Jesus Christ that this cancer was rebuked in me. And I felt it coming up to my waist. And by the time I was standing there, it felt like I was engulfed in in liquid love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the next day, I got up, which I couldn't do. I'd go to school, come home, lay down on the couch. (laughs) Then at that point, they were keeping me home because of my sickness and jaundice. Liver had been affected with hepatitis. And I, I had yellow eyes and yellow skin, pallid, weak, and anemic. They first treated me for anemia, but when the Lord healed me, He healed me 100%. 
completely. One day it was daylight and dark, and the next day uh, my energy came back. My liver was healed. The cancer wasn't affecting me anymore. They took me back to the doctor, and Dr. Paul Menthorn, who had his office on Hillsborough Avenue just before you get to that big overpass. They called it the Viaduct back then. Uh, Dr. Paul Menthorn, he, he retested my blood and he wrote down, and I wish I had kept it, amen, he wrote down spontaneous remission with no treatment, but spontaneous remission. That meant it was there before prayer. It was gone after prayer. Now, friend of mine, you can't talk me out of any of this stuff today. You can't say the, what they're saying because of the lack of presence and power in the church of Jesus Christ today. They're trying to teach that the day of miracles is over. Honey, for the day of miracles to be over, God would have to be dead. <laughs> and God is alive and well. And Christ is alive and well. He's been raised from the dead. Can you say amen? And if you're going to a dead church and you're wondering why nothing's happening, remember Remember the words of the angel to Mary and Martha. Why seek ye the living among the dead? Can you say, man, I can't just give a sermonette. I'm too excited about Jesus. I can't just go with the flow. I can't just be part of the status quo. God has more for His people than we are seeing. If you are satisfied, yo, I pity you if you ever need God to do something in your life. If you're satisfied with a sermonette, if you're satisfied with religious entertainment on Sunday morning, if you're satisfied to pat your foot and clap your hand while the choir sings, if that satisfies you and you're not hungry for a manifestation of the Holy Spirit, not hungry for the living God, you're living beneath your privilege of power. And someone said the church is weak and anemic spiritually because she lives beneath her privilege of power. And the devil cackles and he laughs when we assemble because he knows without the presence and power of God we're going to be no different from the world about us. We're going to fare no better in, in our trouble. God isn't putting on you something. But trials will come, but they don't come from Him. He called me, well, actually, it's an accidental call from another state that attended our church for years. And she apologized for accidentally calling me. And I said, that's fine. I'm glad to hear from you. You know, how you doing? Well, I'm doing fine. Well, while I have you on the phone, then I realized it was divine appointment. It wasn't an accident at all. She said, I have been diagnosed with the disease. She told me what it was, and it is, it is humanly incurable. It is a slow, progressive disease that will eventually shorten her life, and it will debilitate her before it finally takes her away. And she said, I went for prayer to my pastor. He was praying for people on Sunday morning. When I stood before him, he says, I don't believe that God wants to heal you. I believe he wants to teach you something through this. Now, if God were a person, they would arrest him for child abuse. 
take his children away. If we're going to buy into that, I mean, think about it. If God's going to give you cancer to teach you something. Don't think I'm going to preach much longer. It's just getting warm up here. Somebody said, Lord, have mercy. He's just getting, take his coat off. If I was you, I'd get a hold of this. If I was you, I'd, I'd, I'd can it and take it home. I'd get it down in my spirit. Amen. Because someday you're going to need a miracle. And you're going to need the faith to receive it. Because God is willing to give it. Hallelujah. He, he, the Bible said, even if you lack wisdom, ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, but ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea. I told you it works. He works. It's us. Amen. Driven by the wind and tossed. Totally, totally a victim of whatever circumstances in our life. Let not that man expect to receive anything from the Lord. Amen. The devil wants you in that position and that spiritual posture. God wants to pull you out of that. Put your feet on a rock. Lift you out of the miry clay of all of that misconception about him and misunderstanding of him and misinterpretation of him from the pulpit. I can't give up on revival. I can't give up on miracles. My son and I discussed this one time. We went to Psalm 91. You know what it says? Because thou hast made the Lord thy God thy habitation, and under his wings thou art come to trust. Thou shalt not be afraid of the arrow that flieth by day, nor the pestilence that wastes at noonday, nor the plague. For it shall not come nigh thy dwelling. Hallelujah. That's, even, that's the old covenant. That's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob making this. Amen. You won't have to, you won't have to fear what everybody around you is fearing and experiencing. And he said, don't look to see what is happening to others to judge what I can do for you. Because thou hast made the Lord thy God. Thy habitation and under his wings thou hast come to trust. Thou shalt not be afraid. And then he said it. A thousand shall fall at your side. And ten thousand at your right hand. Come on, this is the head of the math department of his high school. Is that eleven thousand down? Is that eleven thousand down? Is that 11,000 down? 11,000 defeated? 11,000 destroyed? Is there one standing? Is there one standing? Come on, church. Is there one still standing with 11,000 defeated? I don't know what's in somebody else's heart. I don't know where they are in faith. It's not about me and him and them. It's about me and him. I know someone that was this close to God. You don't know how close to God anybody is. You think you know. God knows. I know someone had all the faith in the world. And they still, listen, if they had all the faith. If you had faith, you don't need all the faith in the world. 
If you had faith as a grain of mustard seed. And it was the right kind of faith with the right understanding of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's not about quantity, it's about quality. If you had faith as a grain of mustard, did Jesus teach this? People look at me like a calf at a new gate when I say what he said. How many own a Bible? How many believe you could find what I'm saying in it? Hallelujah. How many know heaven's going to pass away? Earth's going to pass away? i got some news for you. You're going to pass away from this old world too. But His Word is going to abide forever and forever and forever. And that's why you can get a hold of it and stand on it. And that's why God's Word will manifest what He wills and purposes in your life. But you've got to get a hold of it. Become unshakable. Hallelujah. Amen. Because everything that can be shaken is being shaken and the church world is not exempt from it. There's a shaking in the church world going on right now. And the shaking is questioning the authority and the integrity of God's Word and who Jesus was and who He is. And it's shaking right now. And a world, because of that shaking, a world church is shaping up and forming. When that will no longer be an issue to joining ourselves with false religions. And it's, the groundwork is being laid. The Jesus Project, 40 scholars, so-called, self-appointed, deciding what parts of Scripture are true and what parts are fables. They vote amazingly like the old ancient way of voting for guilt, the white stone or the black stone. They bloat with colored stones. They cast their vote, not with computers. We're going back to something here, something the enemy is behind 100%. And you know what their recent vote was? 39 to 1 against the virgin birth. Yet Isaiah said, And this shall be a sign unto you. This is the sign of the true Messiah. A virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son. Joseph was just a man who stepped in, to, but he was not the father of Jesus Christ. If he's not virgin born, he's not the Messiah. If he's not the Messiah, his blood did not atone. Can you say man? But thank God he is the Messiah. His blood did atone. God accepted it. How do you know? Because he raised him from the dead to prove it. Can you say man? To validate him and everything he did and everything he said. The great issue of faith today is just exactly what F.F. F. Bosworth said. I've seen faith rise mountain high when the truth of God's present love and compassion begins to dawn upon the minds and hearts of the people. It is not what God can do, but what we know He yearns to do. Faith to receive what He has provided is based squarely on his love. Give you, can I give you one? Those folks have kept you here an extra ten minutes. Doggone them. I want you to hear this. This is so important. 
My wife told me last week when she was lost in the Spirit, she said, quit apologizing for holiness when God is moving. This is important stuff. You may need a miracle someday. God wants you to have it. God wants you to have the faith to receive it. God wants to be cast in the role of the deliverer, not the one who's trying to harm you or hurt you. In, in Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, listen to this and we'll close. Mark chapter 4 and verse 35. On the same day when evening had come, he said unto them, Let's cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. That's quite amazing, isn't it? You see, when God's in control, whatever is panicking you is not panicking Him. They're going crazy, and Jesus is asleep on a pillow. And He does know while He's asleep what's going on. He didn't have to be awake to know what was going on. Because he wasn't just a man of God. He was God incarnate. He knew what was going on in the universe. While he was sleeping. Physically sleeping. But spiritually completely aware. And he purposely stayed asleep. (laughs) He waited for their panic to set in. To teach them something. Now... God don't put something on you, but He will wait to develop your patience. Because He knows we're not real good at that. And the Bible said, be followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Not them that give up and try it and it don't work, so we give up and give in. Because we're impatient. We need patience that after we've done the will of God, we might receive the promise. Cast not away your confidence. Satan's going to attack you in the interim. Can you say, man, which hath great recompense of reward? Because if you don't back off, he's coming with healing in his wings, with help in his hands. Hallelujah. Amen. That's Hebrews 10, beginning with verse 32. And again, it's that trial coming. Amen. After you were illuminated. After the revelation of Jesus came and you realized you needed a Savior and accepted Him, you endured a great fight of afflictions. But God delivered them from them all. And that's Christian victory. He was in the stern asleep on a pillow. They awoke Him and said unto Him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Mark that. Master, careth thou not that we perish? Then he, he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be even the wind and sea obey him? When he said, Where's your faith? King James says, where's your faith? 
the misconception is that the issue of lack of faith was they didn't have the faith to go out there and through their faith speak to the wind and rain. You know what the issue was? When he didn't move immediately to take care of the problem, they doubted his love. Their faith in his faithfulness because of his love was questioned. Master, careth thou not that we perish? Don't you care? And you know what the devil wants you to ask God in every trial you go through? Don't you care? Don't you care? Question is love. Why? Because faith worketh by love. Peter, they're in a ship. By the way, every time God is, tells them to go anywhere, Satan tries to stop them. If you want a storm to come, just go somewhere Jesus told you to go. Can you say amen? And the hurricane will blow and the tornado will come and the sea will get rough. So he said, I'm going to tarry here. Y'all go to the other side. They got out in the midst of the sea and a great storm came upon them, threatening to sink them again. Peter's looking over the ramparts and he sees Jesus serenely, just like he was asleep on the pillow, in control, walking on the waves that threatened to sink their ship. And he says... At first, he thought he saw an apparition. I thought, this has got to be a ghost. It couldn't be a human of any sort or type. But then he recognized him. He said, it looks like Jesus. And he said, Lord, if that be you, bid me come to you. And I'll tell you, if you want to launch out in faith, God is never going to tell you to back off. He just wants you to know how faith truly works. Now listen to this carefully. And Peter, impetuous Peter, he jumped out of the boat and he went walking toward Jesus on the water just like Jesus. Until he realized what he was doing. And the Bible said he saw that the wind picked up and the sea, the storm got worse. I'm going to tell you when you get out on the Word, it's not going to calm everything down. It's going to stir everything up. So better make sure you believe it before you get out on it. Can you say man? And because he was responding to the Word of Christ, he was walking on the water until he saw that the wind picked up and the, and the sea got even more boisterous and he began to sink. And he be, would have drowned. But he cried out, Jesus, save me! Oh, King James says, and immediately. Jesus didn't have to run to him. Jesus didn't have to walk to him. Jesus just showed up right beside of him. Just like he walked in that room after the resurrection. Without opening the door. And Brother Christella said it. He said the reason he didn't have to open the doors because he was the door of the sheepfold. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And immediately Jesus taking him by the hand. Oh, come on. Focus on this. Again, taking him by the hand and lifting him up. Hand in hand, supported by Christ himself. 
Peter walked with Jesus back to the boat. When he said, where's your faith? He wasn't talking about telling the storm to go away. We got people think they're boss today. They think they're divine. No, he's divine. You're the branch. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Uh, but when, when you need help and he takes a hold of you, amen, this is real faith. What he questioned was, he questioned their love. He didn't expect Peter to not notice the storm. He didn't expect Peter to operate as God. He expected Peter to be a man who put his trust in God. And when he said, save me, that, that's all it took. Oh. Hallelujah. There are people today that think with your own words, you can manipulate every situation to your convenience. That is not the Bible. That is, nobody can do that. If they did, they wouldn't be asking you for money every Sunday. Right? They would just say, money, come to me. Instead of, send it to me. Amen? I don't buy that stuff. Give me some bread and mustard. Take that bologna and make a sandwich. Get something out of it. But supported, and Peter never forgot the lesson. Don't question his love. He, he disqualified himself from the love of God when he failed Jesus. But that same hand reached out to him to forgive him. And he went on to live in victory. Because he quit doubting the love of God. And he got on a foundation of the love of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God didn't expect them to calm the water. That's his department. I'm going to tell you something. That's above your pay grade. You say, but Brother Venable, I've been building my faith. Let's go to Tampa Bay right now. I want you to walk from the bank of anywhere we pull in over to that bridge. You can't manipulate everything that God's in control of in His universe. If you did, you'd never go through a trial. I know I wouldn't. I'd say, uh-uh. No, I ain't got time for this. Mm-mm. No siree. Fiery trial my foot. <laughs> did I say that in church? I just did. Amen. <laughs> I ain't going through no fiery trial. Trial, get out of here. Everything smooth out. I got time for this. Paul thought he didn't have time for it. He sought the Lord three times because the devil was buffeting him on every term. He thought it was in the way of the gospel. And really it was keeping him pure and keeping him humble and keeping him dependent on God where the real strength comes from. And when heaven didn't give him a, a positive answer three times, then God was able when he was quiet and still to let him know why. He said, listen. He said, you know, he said, if I got everything just like that and I had no trials and tests after all my revelations, I'd be lifted up above measure. So there was given me an emissary from Satan to buffet me. Amen. And when I'm weakened because of the buffeting and I put all my trust, not most of it, but all of it, not in my faith, but in his faithfulness to me. Hallelujah. When I am weak. 
and do that, then am I made truly strong. Hallelujah. When he got down to the end of it all, (laughs) with God taking him through it all, he said, I fought a good fight. The good fight of faith. I've kept the faith. I'm ready to be offered up. I've finished my course. There's no reason for me to stay here any longer. Hallelujah. And surely there's a crown laid up for me. Hallelujah. 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 Reinhard Bonnke said, when you do business with people, you need money. When you do business with God, you need faith. Faith is the currency of the kingdom of God. Without it, you can't even get saved. Can you say, man? I believe God is going to take us into a year of victories because I believe we're going to get a revelation and a realization. Know and believe the love that God has for us. You've got to know it by revelation. You've got to accept it by faith. And we've got so much in the Word to build faith. The logic of the cross. Say it with me. The logic of the cross. Romans 8.32 He that spared not His own Son, but gave Him up for us all. How will He not? If He's given heaven's best, the most costly gift that could ever be given, how will He not also with Him freely give us everything that we need? to life and godliness in this faulty body, in this fallen world. God will hear. God will answer. It's our faith that wavers. It's our faith that is imperfect because we have a misunderstanding of God Himself and a misrepresentation through a dead and dying religious system. And that's why I get a call that says my pastor wouldn't pray for me because he told me God is going to teach you something. He's trying to teach you something. This is for some unknown purpose of perfecting you. He's making you sick. You see, when you jump outside the Scripture... You don't let the Word of God stand. You can say anything you want to like that. But you can't do it and stay in the Bible. You can't do it. If there be any sick among you, we have a covenant. The covenant is not a lesser covenant than the old one. It's a better covenant established on better promises. Can you say, man, if there's any sick among you, is James 5.14. Why, why would he make a blanket statement? Why, why isn't God not going to heal this one, going to heal that one, going to help that one, not going to help this one? He's doing something in this one. He's doing. No, it's not vague. It's clear. Anybody that was a child of God had the right to call the elders for prayer. And the prayer of faith will what? We'll just shoot it out there and see if we hit anything. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall, it's all shalls, raise them up. And if John 5, 14, if, if James 5.14 is not of the authority as John 3.16, then it's not the inspired Word of God. 
And if we taught salvation the way we teach deliverance and help and healing, nobody would get saved because nobody would be sure God would save them. Nobody would be sure He could save them. Nobody would be sure He wanted to save them. Because when they come for salvation, you know what we tell them? Well, if it's the Lord's will, you might end up in heaven, you might end up in hell. There's no guarantees. We'll just see what His will is here. We'll pray for you. We don't tell people that. We tell people, you come and confess your sins, you're saved. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. God has spoken and we stand on it. Hallelujah. We ought to take the rest of it the same way. This is going to be a year of test and trial. This is going to be a year when the fiery trials will come to you and me. But this is going to be a year of victories and testimonies for those that get in the Word and get the Word in them and stand on the Word of God. Hallelujah. 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 Now, God won't put on you more than you can bear. Just put it in the Scripture the way it is in context. They get not strange the fiery trial that has come to try you. Faulty body, fallen world, it's going to happen. Enemy of your soul. But God is faithful. He didn't bring it, but He's standing ready to help you when it comes. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that that you are able to bear, who will, with the temptation, make a way of escape that you might be able to bear it. That means go through it, come, go through the test, come out the other side with a testimony. Being a victor and not a victim. A testimony to His faithfulness, His love, and His goodness. Can you say man? People need to see that. They need to hear it today. Because we need help down here till we get home. And we've got the promise of it. 11,000 are down, but one is standing. I want to be that standing person. I want to make him my habitation. Not where I run to in trouble, but where I live my life in. And under his wing, everybody say his unfailing love. Thou art come to trust. Hallelujah. How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the sons of men put their trust under the shadow of your wing. It's that revelation and realization that brings forth the kind of faith that says, God's going to see me through. He loves me too much to let me go. Can you say amen? Will you stand to your feet today? Brother, we're going to try to have a song to close with. If you have to go, go. Are you glad you came? Keynote messages take longer. This is where we're headed this year. On a journey to take God out of the abstract and God out of all of the false teachings and put Him in the true biblical perspective and see Him as your Savior. See Him as your healer. See Him as your deliverer. See Him as your helper. See Him not as the one hurting you in any sense or way, but the one whose hand is extended, who said, Call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and thou shalt glorify me. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A day of miracles and wonders is coming to those who will 
Stand on the word and believe God. Hallelujah. And call upon me, he says, and I will show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. You know what that's about? That's about answered prayer. He said, you haven't seen. It's never entered your heart. You cannot possibly imagine what I can do in behalf of those who put their trust in me. Eye has not seen. Ear has not heard. It's never entered into the heart of man what God hath prepared provided purpose promise to them that love him it's not about heaven it's about down here and the need we have and the God we have to meet that need can you say man hallelujah but he reveals them to us but he reveals them to us by his spirit what has never entered our heart and mind he says the Holy Spirit can show you hallelujah he can show you he will guide you into all truth Brother, Brother Hobbs, it's coming. I can't give up on it. I, I'm a recipient of it. I'd have been dead in most Pentecostal churches today if my mom and daddy had kept me in that kind of church. Nobody would have prayed the prayer of faith. Nobody would have rebuked cancer. They would have prayed a flowery little perfect prayer. Lord, if it be thy will, heal this little boy. But if you don't, we know you have a purpose. And then they'd start singing, gathering flowers for the master's bouquet. That's what we sung when children died. Amen. He just, you know, God just taking your sweet child because we're gathering flowers for the master's bouquet. No, God isn't killing children. This fallen world, the curse came. That's what's killing kids today and grown-ups. That's how death entered. Hallelujah. But Jesus was anointed of the Holy Ghost to heal those oppressed of the devil. And he went about doing that everywhere that he went. And he hasn't changed. But the church world is running on empty when it comes to power and presence. And you know it to be true. You know it to be true. And you know why it keeps running on empty? Because people don't know there's any more or don't care. And we live in a danger zone where we're not under the covering wing of Almighty God. And God wants to get us back under that wing because we need His help like we've never needed it. Hallelujah. 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 Father, I thank you. I praise you. Do, you. do you have something in mind? Let's just pray together. I want you to know where we're going. Somebody said, where are we going from here? Spiritually, we've got to go somewhere first from here. It's not just making a physical move. We are moving physically. Where are you going? I have no earthly idea. I'm waiting on God. But we will find a place to meet. We will meet somewhere if you want to meet. Amen. I'm holding this ministry like this. It's not mine. It's His. It's before the Lord. If you want to meet with us, we'll be so happy to have you. If you don't, it's okay. We love you, but it's okay. It's got to be okay, don't it? I can't. <laughs> but if you want to. Do you feel like it's worth your time, your effort, and your investment materially? We'd be so happy to have you. But I believe there's some people out there that need this. Amen.
I believe there's somebody somewhere that needs to know what God's all about and how faith really works and what to expect from Him. Glory to God. And we want to reach those people. We want to reach the lost. And by the way, when people start getting healed and delivered, here they come. Here they come. You can see it all through the book of Acts. Here come people saying, that's the true God. They've got a hold of somebody. We're coming to be saved. You can't have healing and deliverance without people coming to salvation. They're hand in hand, hand in glove. Hallelujah. It's going to be a year of miracles. I believe that with all of my heart. Pray for us as we seek the will of the Lord, the mind of the Lord. I have to look away from everything else and just focus on Him. Hallelujah. But I can't become this little, keep everybody, somehow just console them like that pastor did. There's no power to heal you, no will to heal you of God, but just make the best of it. Because he'll just teach you humility and he'll teach you to... No, no, he didn't put that on you. And she said, I know, Brother Venable, that's not what you teach. I said, no, ma'am, it isn't. And I said, I'm not here to contradict your pastor or to get between you and your pastor. But I'm here to point you to the Word of God. And let let, let God be true. And include me in this. Let every man become the liar if it contradicts his word. Amen. Amen. Because I believe there's hope for her. I believe there's help for her. I don't believe she has to die slowly through a devastating disease. I don't believe that came from God. And I don't believe he does that to his children. Because there's no real love in that. Hallelujah. So this is where I'm going to take my stand. Amen? Because I can't afford to live in this world, in this faulty body, in this fallen world, without a trust that says, I know I'm going to be okay when all is said and done, because God loves me, and He will never forsake me, and He will hear my faintest cry. And he will answer by and by. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. I would, I would drive 50 miles to get in a church that would declare that to me. Rather than to sit in a church around the corner where it's convenient to be entertained and told that I can't expect any help from the Lord necessarily. I'm pretty much down here on my own. No. Thank God I'm not and you're